Welcome to the Black Hat Chat podcast with Lee Johnson and Reverend Kai, a weekly show about living as a modern crafter where two witches discuss a variety of topics concerning magic and witchcraft. You can also catch us live on Fridays on YouTube. The links are in the description of the podcast or in the about section. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea and let's begin. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, good people around the world, and our black hatters with all their emoji glyphs. Thank you very much. <laughs> this is the Black Hat Chat. Two witches that get together every Friday around the proverbial kitchen table. Conversations about traditional witchcraft and astrology, which is what we're doing today. Um, if you have not checked out the link in the description for the Black Hat Chat, the link tree, go and have a look at that. And you will find us on Discord as under the Wildwood Temple. And you can also join us on Patreon for what's on the telly twice a month. And please give us a thumbs up, helps the algorithm. And also if you have if you if your chat says top chat, just change it to live chat so you get all the messages and they don't get filtered out in weird ways. Alright. So oh, should we talk about should we, should we mention next week now or later? Oh, probably both. So next week we're going to talk about runes again, our returning topic, and um, we're going to talk about the rune poems uh, to begin our understanding of the meanings of the runes. So if you'd like to read those, they are in the library channel in our Discord server. Uh, They're there as PDFs, so download them, check them out, read them. You can also Google rune poems, but the four that we're going to talk about, they're short. they're there in the library channel if you want to check those out. So, today we're doing the astrology forecast for September. Boom, boom, boom. Um, yep. So. Oh, wait, wait, oh, wait, no, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Before we continue, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson go on a camping <laughs> trip. Okay. After a, after a good <laughs> dinner and a bottle of wine, they retire for the night and go to sleep. Some hours later, Holmes wakes up and nudges his faithful friend. Watson, look up at the sky and tell me what you see. I see millions and millions of stars, Holmes, replied, replies Watts. And what do you deduce from that? Watson ponders for a minute. Well, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I observe that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically... I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three. Meteorologically, I suspect that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. What does it tell you, Holmes? Holmes is silent for a moment. Watson, you idiot, he says. Someone has stolen our tent. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good one. I like that one. (laughs) My father has told me that one several times. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's one of his favorites well, when we're out camping actually <laughs> i've got another one if you want oh yes 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 another one another one do you want another one okay 
<laughs> it's a very short one. Four Norse gods, one Roman god, and two astrological bodies walk into a bar. The bartender says, oh, this is going to be a weak joke. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's quite clever. Mm, I like mm. that one. Mm. <laughs> that is quite clever. Yes. All right, then. Now we've got the jokes out of the way. Yep. So we are talking about the astrology of September 2022. So first and foremost, this works best if you have your birth chart handy to compare this to. So let me pull up the screen there. There, hopefully everybody can see the chart. That's just right now-ish. Well, about 10 minutes ago when I uh, pulled it up. So get your birth chart in front of you if you don't have it. If you need to go generate it, go to astro.com or astro-seek.com. That's the uh, what I'm displaying on the screen right now is the astro-seek uh, daily transits. So, because uh, I think it's easier to see than the program that I usually use, which is Astrolog. But if you're interested in having your own astrology software to look at this stuff, I recommend Astrolog and astro-seek.com. So what you want to do is grab your birth chart. Um, if you're doing it online, set it to whole sign houses if you can. And um, so on... AstroSeek, it's down here, house system, this is set on Placidus, you want whole sign, then it'll update that and puts it into whole sign houses. This is just easier to keep track of and, and understand to begin with. You can use Placidus or Coke houses if you're young and you prefer. But what you want to focus on is when we talk about a planet doing something in a sign like Jupiter being in Aries. You want to look in your own chart and see where Aries is in your chart, what house it is ruling. And that's going to tell you where this transit is going to happen in your life, which house it is in. So if it's in the first house, it's all about you personally, usually your health, um, your physical body is the first house. Your second house is money, tangible possessions. Third house is short daily trips. Um, routines that happen every day, nearby neighbors and siblings. Fourth house is your house, where you live, your home, where you put your roots down, your foundation. Fifth house is the house of pleasure and joy and play. It is also the house of children. Sixth is the house of employees and small animals. If you have pets, they fall here and service and health. Well, no, I shouldn't say health, illness illnesses happen here. Seventh is the house of partners. Eighth is the house of debt, other people's money, because we're across from money. We've crossed into the other people section. Ninth is the house of spirituality, religion, long journeys, foreign places, and long-term travel. Tenth is career and legacy, the things that you're known for, uh, what you leave behind. Eleventh is the house of friends and groups. And twelfth is the place of self-undoing and uh, isolation and imprisonment, uh, hospitalization, institutionalization, that sort of thing. So, um, hopefully, 
Most of you all know that by now. And I've talked long enough that you've all grabbed your chart and put it up on the screen or your paper chart yeah. and have it there with you. Lady Capera has a burning question for you. Okay. But she hasn't asked it yet. You have to ask the question. Yeah. Yeah. Just put the questions in the chat with the delay and everything. We will get to them as best we can. And even if you have questions as we go along that don't necessarily fit, we'll save them till the end or I'm not ignoring you. I might just be on a tangent and I promise I'll come back. <laughs> so, all right. So September, 2022 to note, we start the month with a bunch of planets in retrograde. You can see all of the R's listed down the side of the chart right here. And of course, the nodes are always going to be retrograde, so that doesn't count. But Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, and Chiron are all retrograde to start the month. And Mercury is going to go retrograde here pretty soon on the 10th. We're already in the Mercury shadow. And in a couple of days on the 4th, we hit the uh, shadow for uh, Mars's retrograde that is starting in October. It's the end of October it starts. But that Mars retrograde, it's going to be intense. We have not had a Mars retrograde um, all contained in one sign for a, a very long time. I was just looking at it this morning. It was 1940-something. Um, anyways, Mars is going to spend six months in Gemini. That's a long-ass time for a planet that has a two-and-a-half-year cycle around the zodiac so um when mars gets to its uh, shadow degrees it starts at eight degrees uh on monday the fourth that's a monday sunday the fourth i know what day of the week it is sort of on the fourth it's going to start going over the things that it will go back and um cover again during the retrograde so pay attention to what's happening starting on sunday for the rest of this month and october that's going to be where the retrograde affects your life and it's going to be an intense retrograde because this is ruled by gemini we're going to have two um, mercury retrogrades while mars is in gemini and this uh, first pre-retrograde storm for Mars will happen during a Gemini retrograde. And we're also going to have plenty of times with um, Neptune being triggered here. Neptune down here in Pisces is going to have this opposition that keeps happening over here in Virgo, where the sun is. And that's going, that feels like Mercury retrograde to a lot of people. Things get confusing, they're hard to see, it's hard to think, because Neptune is just like not in this world, it's in the dream world. So, um, it's going to be a con an intense confusing time for the next six months. And um, you, need to, you need to be prepared and pay attention to which areas of life really are being triggered by what, so you can deal with it, pay attention to it, sort it properly. Um, also, while we're down here with uh, Neptune, we talked about this a couple months back, but we've got this uh, 
Antitia again. Jupiter and Neptune are having this secret connection across the solstice line, the, or the equinox line. And Mercury is involved in that here at six degrees. And here is the line. So we've got all of these like backdoor secret connections that are pulling Neptune constantly into this mix along with Mercury. So when things feel confusing and you're like, oh my God, is it Mercury retrograde again? Not quite, but there's a lot of this stuff that is pulling all of these confusing bits in. And because this, this uh, Mars retrograde is going to happen here in Gemini, we're triggering all of these mutable signs and we're triggering this whole configuration. I know last month I talked about, you know, this is affecting everyone because it's in all of the fixed signs. Well, this month it's in all of the mutable signs. So it's going to be the mutable story on top of the fixed story because we still have Saturn down here in Aquarius and Uranus in the North Node over here in Taurus. And we're going to get some eclipses in October and November that are going to highlight the Taurus Scorpio eclipse theme again. So there is nobody that is having a chart missed by this because it's covering everything. It's all just tied together. So keep that in mind as we go. Did I ramble oh, long oh. enough? Do you want to do Lady Kabo's question? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, was waiting for you. Oh. Uh, question is: How come the Midheaven sign isn't given much consideration by most in brackets astrologists? Thank you. I don't know. Midheaven's pretty important. Um, I don't know. I I have not experienced that it's not talked about frequently. I think all the angles get hit pretty heavy. I will give my, my usual caveat. I'm a traditional astrologer. I mainly um, follow and read about uh, works from medieval and uh, Hellenistic astrologers and Arabian astrologers. That's where my interest is. Um, so those are the, the people I follow on Twitter and, and YouTube and that sort of thing. Um, I'm not into modern astrology. So um, the Midheaven, the culminating degree, is extremely important in traditional medieval and Hellenistic and, and Greek astrology and Arabian astrology. Um, I also feel it's like one of those things that most people just know. You know where your ascendant is, you know where your Midheaven is, you know the points of your chart. Um, because those are the important things, the Kentrons, the four points of your chart are the most important things, and when you have stuff happening, crossing, um, aspecting those points, stuff happens to you because those are the personal relationships. That's why um, we do talk about the signs. You know, when something ingresses into a sign, then it creates a whole sign aspect and starts affecting that whole sign. But especially when it gets to the degree of an angle or if it's going to retrograde back and forth over an angle, it's really a noticeable uh, transit because it's really long and poignant. Um, but you know, things happen like when transiting Uranus conjuncts the midheaven, people tend to change careers or decide that, you know, oh, I've been doing accounting all my life, but 
now my my passion that I've always wanted to do I want to you know go and be a marine biologist and they will change their legacy and what they're known for so stuff like that happens but I have an experience that people astrologers ignore the midheaven sign more than any other angle or anything like that so said we were Pisces yeah said Capricorn gang yeah so your big three are important to watch out for here your big three are your ascendant your sun and your moon um uh your ascendant is the same as your rising sign I use those terms interchangeably but wherever your sun is that's going to hit you personally when there's a transit there when something is in that sign it's going to feel um like it, it's personally affecting you. Some people will have that the universe is out to get me feeling, especially when it's, you know, within orb a degree or two of the sun. Where your moon is, it's going to hit you emotionally. It's going to be internal influences uh, coming up, welling up from inside of you. And where your ascendant is, is it's going to be happening in your house. So in your area of influence, that may be your actual physical house, but it also includes your job and where you spend the majority of your life. Um, and then if it hits your descendant, it's going to be happening to your partners, which may be a spouse or a lover, but it is, may also be business partners and other people that you partner with regularly to accomplish things. The seventh and the descendant is all all partnerships not just romance in fact romance belongs in the fifth so okay let's see so mars retrograde we talked a little bit about mars is already in gemini um we're definitely already seeing um the mars in gemini effects the power mars of speech gemini um I'm sure if you've watched the news or, or anything like that, you're seeing some of those uh, spicy tongues <laughs> that would be a Mars and Gemini kind of signature. Um, it's also uh, very much got this kind of um, internet troll kind of energy that can come out of it. You know, we talked um, previously about this is the energy, but it can be like on different octaves. And you kind of get to choose where you want to push it, you know. And so that lower octave, that baser octave, can be that criticism kind of thing or that uh, pithy comments that are just designed to cut. They're not actually helpful, that trolling kind of stuff. But the other thing I, I really want to point out here is um mars in gemini is the classic signature of thievery of getting uh getting through defenses being able to sneak through things and, and achieve the goal and so i expect that scams especially online scams because it's in gemini are going to go up and password attacks and all of that sort of thing fit that mars in gemini kind of thing and it's going to be more prevalent as we get to the retrograde. So please, please check your internet security, because all of you are on the internet. Check your passwords. Watch out for stuff. Don't believe everything you read. You know, you get some texts or something that seem 
iffy check them out and and god help us all don't click on links if you're not expecting them you know mm. um i really think this is going to go up and going to get worse and worse and worse as the year goes on and we're just at the beginning of it we've got like two days before we hit the the pre-retrograde storm and then about two months before we hit the retrograde so wherever gemini is in your chart that's going to be getting more and more of this spicy mars heat mars brings the heat it turns up the burner on whatever it is uh, but especially if you have like gemini in the second house you you need to make sure your bank is secure you need to check all of that sort of stuff um, if you have you know gemini in uh, the fifth house make sure your kids know about online safety uh, or, or anybody who would be a child to you um, it doesn't have to be biological children if you're an uncle or an aunt and and that sort of thing but this is just something to pay attention to something to be wary of um don't don't let it scare you off just know that this is what's in the air so prepare for it Yolandi said so in short the light at the end of the tunnel is a speeding freight train coming at you mm -hmm. we are we are to that part of the cycle um september august was kind of the last respite we do have a nice full moon this month in september that feels good this neptune energy that keeps coming in as we're as uh mercury uh sun and venus are all up here in the virgo libra area and they're gonna you know hit the uh contraintitias and all of this sort of stuff they're gonna keep picking up on the jupiter and aries and the neptune and pisces energy and keep triggering that pull and the moon uh the lunations the full and new moon are gonna hit those too um it's gonna feel dreamy and enchanting and i highly encourage you to take advantage of those because we're at the point in tower time as byron ballard said that you have to find the good and it's not going to be a lot of it um stuff is rough and we're in this pattern until march of 2023 then we get a new pattern but at least it'll be something different <laughs> but this this is the long haul uh, that we're preparing for. November is really when it gets to be the most intense and um, the worst, the most intense. Um, uh, Mars will be retrograde through all of November. Um, Saturn will be going direct again at the end of October and it will be moving forward. We'll be hitting that Saturn-Uranus square again in November. So um, really, I know, I feel like all I've been saying is prepare, prepare, prepare. You don't have much time left. We are now out of time. Um, but still prepare where you can. Find those good moments where you can. Find that happiness where you can. Okay. So that's good old Mars and Gemini. Um, we do have Mars and Gemini sextile to Jupiter and Aries uh, with some reception there and all pulled in with mercury over there in libra this nice kind of um opposition sextile trine uh situation that can really be a you know go do it go do it kind of feeling um just consider that who's saying go do it 
Mars and Gemini is saying go do it to Jupiter in Mars's house. So Jupiter has to do everything through Mars right now. And Jupiter is retrograde. And that's all opposite and trine to Mercury, who is in charge of Mars. So this is a, you know, the three amigos may be out to do some, some joyriding kind of thing. So, you know, if you want to use this for some impetus to get some things going, good. Just examine things carefully before you take off on the, the fun trick. Okay. Do your divination. Do your divination. But also, eh, eh. <laughs> this many planets in retrograde and some of the placements, do a couple of divinations. <laughs> Check multiple times. Um, this is not going to be one and done magic for the rest of the this cycle until March of 2023. The next equinox, really. So, between... Between this fall equinox that we've got here pretty soon and the spring equinox, um, you really need to watch your P's and Q's, especially when it comes to magic and especially when it comes to your motivations. There's so many aspects and configurations that are starting here in September and that are coming up here for the rest of the seasons that are um, encouraging knee-jerk reactions, anger, cutting, hurting, division. There's a, a lot of that stuff that keeps coming up that that's the way it could be taken. So try to keep yourself out of those places if you can. Try to keep yourself from having those just knee-jerk reactions or, you know, deciding to just hurt someone because it will make you feel better in the moment. And, you know, we all try to be good people, but we all have, we all have stuff that gets under our skin. And realize that Everyone currently has that going on. And everyone, um, you know, you may have somebody who cuts you off in traffic and cusses you out. Or some random stranger who sees you on the street and calls you a bitch or who knows what. It, there's going to be some mean shit out there. Because everybody's undergoing this stuff. And just don't take it personally. Because it's not about you. Not in the least. <laughs> right now and you can't you can't give in to that um well nobody likes me well everybody's mean so i'll be mean too you know you really you gotta you gotta remember what we're all swimming in this this same soup and right now the flavor is fuck you so <laughs> try try not to spit it back in people's faces mm. All right, let's do more meditation. Do more meditation. Well, mantra meditation is like the order of the day. Absolutely. Um, words. Words are are both the pain and the solution right now. But the the power of mantras will be absolutely elevated because Mars is in Gemini. Use it. Mm. Absolutely use it. Um, but realize that, you know, other people are using it too. Um, every time that the moon gets to a degree in a uh, mutable sign or an earth sign with Mars, of course Mars is still moving forward, so right now it's seven, but in a couple of days it'll be eight and so on. 
it's going to trigger that Mars in Gemini and give a spike to that. So the Earth signs are Libra, Gemini, and uh, Aquarius. No, sorry. The air signs are Libra, Gemini, and Aquarius. I'm here. I know this. <laughs> and, and the, the it's, the, it's the planets, damn it. <laughs> the mutable signs are Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. So just watch as the moon moves through those signs and watch when it gets to a degree that matches Mars's degree that day. And you can definitely use that as that spike in that energy because it'll be connecting with the moon. It'll be connecting with the emotions and the planet of magic, the moon. So use those times to your advantage because, again, we have to take every advantage and every opportunity right now until the next equinox. So um, if you do not know how to do that you can track those things through an ephemeris i like mine printed out because i like my highlighters but you can just google swiss ephemeris and the year you want they are free online um, you can print them out and highlight them if you want you can just watch it um, very very important handy tool for doing magic in my opinion because you can keep track of the uh, sign that the moon is in and you can keep track of the retrogrades and those basic conjunctions are, and aspects. You don't have to always have a chart like this, but if you like a visual chart, pull up a visual chart and page through it and see when it is. Um, so, and it can be, the moon moves about 13 degrees a day. So keep that in mind that it's probably going to hit it when it's in those signs spends only a couple of days in each sign, uh, two and a half. So one of those two days, it's going to hit it so that it lines up with Mars. So there's a lot of opportunities for really good enchantment spoken magic here. And especially when the moon is in Pisces and it's going to make that, that nice mutable square and pick up on that Neptune energy, enchant the shit out of stuff because you'll have that Pisces enchantment going on with it. But in the meantime... <laughs> Pay attention to such things. Okay. Uh, the first quarter on the third here is what we're looking at. It's not really much to speak of. The moon is opposite Mars. So picking up if you want to pick up that first quarter energy in that T-square. And it'll balance out again in that Pisces realm. Um, but it's it's not much more than that. We still got the, the Jupiter... Um, Antitia here with Neptune and the Mercury opposite Jupiter tying all of that in. Um, I guess I should talk a little bit about Mercury and Libra opposite Jupiter in Aries because this is going to come up at least three times this month. Um, no. Does it get back? No, twice this month and one more once Mercury goes direct. Because we've got a Mercury retrograde coming up. So this Mercury Libra opposite Jupiter in Aries, this is diplomacy. Um, very much the, the let's work it out. Libra is all about fair for everybody, balance the scales kind of stuff. Jupiter likes to find the best solution for everyone involved. Jupiter is very much interested in in government and, and big um people movements um so you know these are our nice diplomatic attempts the problem is <laughs> mars is involved 
ruling Aries and, and configured there. And all of these, all three of these points where Mercury is opposite Jupiter are configured to Mars because they're all within orb, um, the way everything's moving. So um, trying to work things out, trying to compromise the, the monkey wrench in here are these retrogrades that make it so it might not work. Um, so don't be upset if you're going for diplomatic solutions, you're trying to work things out and it just goes haywire or nothing comes of it. That's somehow how these retrogrades can be. The other thing that's probably going to come up um, is anger being triggered off of these, but retrogrades turn things into questions. So all Jupiter is currently retrograde. Mercury and Mars are both going to go retrograde, although thank the gods not at the same time. But this configuration that's going to keep happening here um, is going to bring up a lot of questions around, is this a compromise that's worth it? Um, is this something I really want to invest in? Do I actually care about these people? You know, so be aware that it is a good time to question these things because might as well follow the retrograde energy, but you're not questioning based on validity. You're questioning based on it's time to evaluate. And I think those are, are different energies. So um, I hope that this works out, that we get some good timings where we get some diplomacy and we get some compromise, like on a, a global grand level, because wouldn't that be nice instead of everybody just fighting all the time? Um, but, you know, I have my, my reservations about that. And remember, the whole thing is still hinging on that, that Antitia across the Equinox line there with Jupiter and Neptune. And I think that that hidden connection with Neptune will make things, Neptune likes ideals, you know, the dream world, the, the underworld the dreamy sea world. Neptune is also retrograde. So we may be questioning those ideals as part of this compromise talk situation that keeps coming up. So um, the first of the three perfect oppositions is on the 2nd of September. The second, uh, second time is on the 18th of September and Mercury will be retrograde at that time. And then the third time happens in October. So, but that'll be with some forward motion for Mercury. Jupiter will still be retrograde and Mars won't be retrograde yet. So, okay. Questions about any of that stuff? Just go through the chat quickly. Okay. Uh, Lydia Kapara said, my chart is crazy with four planets within one degree of each other. Um, and that been feeling that enchanting, city. dreamy, surreal explains a lot. Thank you, Kai. Uh, Solemn Sun says, Good day. Hello, Solemn Sun. Um, Lady Crow said, uh, Gonna take any, ad any advantage for working enchantments? Yes, and to Mecky, yeah, um, to Mecky, I've got Mercury, Uranus, and Neptune stacked within four degrees of each other in Capricorn with Sun a bit further aside. Mm. Yep, yep. 
That's intense. Stelliums like that are always very intense. Alright, so let's go here to the 10th. This is when Mercury goes retrograde here at 8 degrees. Um, the only thing that's really changed appreciably is, you know, the small, shorter moving planets have moved forward a couple of degrees, and the moon has made it over here to conjunct Pisces. So let me grab my, my thingy down here. So that Mercury retrograde is colored by this. This is not a perfect opposition anymore, but it is still happening at the t start of this. So we've still got the trine to Mars as it goes retrograde, so that's still part of the color of everything that's happening. So, and then the full moon is possibly the same day or um, the next day, depending on your time zone. Mercury could go ret Mercury actually goes retrograde at 10.30 p.m. my time on the 9th. So it might be evening of the 9th, morning of the 10th, depends on where you are. Um, Alrighty, here is our full moon, 5 and 18, nope, for this time zone, back there, 21 and 17. Okay, so I guess we're going to take the same chart, because I'm not changing the time. <laughs> so, the, uh, let's see, let me actually look at my Aspectarian here and do some quick math. Hour and a half plus 12, that's 13 plus 5, that's 18 and a half hours between Mercury stationing retrograde and the full moon perfecting. It's fucking close, especially in astrological timing. So this full moon, this lunation, is going to be shadowed very much by this Mercury retrograde. Luckily, we do not have enough of a degree difference here for an antitia between the Sun and Mercury retrograde, or it would just be like, this full moon is Mercury retrograde, screw your stuff. <laughs> um, they're far enough apart, it needs to be within a degree for that to count. And Jupiter has actually retrograded far enough past that it's also out of orb for that Antitia. So this full moon is a nice break uh, from all of that energy that involves that Jupiter, Mars, Mercury diplomacy, but anger, but everything going on. But it is definitely conjunct retrograde Neptune in Pisces. So a Pisces full moon this time of year is always dreamy. I, I notice everybody's like, ooh, I, I can feel fall coming here because this is the first time we get some of the fall weather. And people are, are pulling out the wool blankets and the fur boots and the plaids and they're all like fall, 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 fall. We're going to get some more summer after that. But I notice the, the Pisces full moon wraps it up because fall is enchanting. People are looking for that kind of enchantment of the season. And we have one for every season that we kind of, you know, I feel the season, I feel it coming. And um, this is going to be great for otherworldly kind of work on the full moon because it's conjunct this Neptune for enchanting work. But just be aware that you may get stuck in the realm of the fairies because 
the other world is stronger than this world right at this time because this lunation is so tightly conjunct the neptune pisces mm. and it's applying neptune's heading towards the moon they're going towards each other and you know that energy of being pulled into that it can very much feel like slipping into the other world and and slipping through the gate which is great as long as you got a way to get back mm. make sure you're well anchored yes yes very much um the next day we have a nice uh trine from the sun to uranus oh there we go that triggers off 18 and 18 degrees that should bring a bit of relief from this constant uranus thorn in our side um everybody did notion notice when uranus stationed retrograde last month right i'm sure you all had a day where it was just like why is this breaking what is going on? Why does nothing go right? What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> um, that happened last month. Let's see. You're in a stationed retrograde on the 25th last month. So it's a new station and it's just starting to get moving forward. It was at 18 degrees when it stationed. So the sun hitting this trine can feel like maybe some stuff breaks and it's in your favor for a change. <laughs> Maybe maybe some of the disruption is a little bit helpful. And that's only a day after the full moon. So you may want to include that kind of stuff in your full moon workings. Although the moon will have moved on. It kind of depends on where you're putting your full moon work. You know, because we've got a good three or four day window here for the sun and the moon with their giant orbs. Um, but if you're going, you know, these perfected degrees, the day of the full moon may be like enchantment. And then the day after may be getting some of the accidental things to work in your favor. Uh, but, you know, the sun's going to move on, so that didn't last too long, of course. But Any questions about that before I zoom on? Deb has made it. She has had computer problems we're solving. And Lou came in with one of his fantastic comments. Seems like we are all camping since it's intense. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I agree. My Gemini mm -hmm. husband would not miss the chance to make that joke, so I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is the 11th, this chart we're looking at here for the trine with the Uranus, and we're going to go ahead to the 16th here. Um, Venus in Virgo squares Mars in Gemini, and the Sun in Virgo opposes Neptune in Pisces. So there's Venus at 14 in Virgo. Get rid of the the old things there and put our new circles up. We've got Venus at 14 and Virgo right here. Whoop. Squaring Mars over here. Venus square uh, Mars energies can mean fights and disruptions. Uh, they can also be like super sexy tension. Although Venus and Virgo tends to be, um, you know, details and 
um, data about love. How many ways have we connected in which I love thee? How much have we spent 45 minutes of quality time together today? No, we have three more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so that square may bring some tension, may bring some upset. It's happening right there with the moon applying to Mars, uh, making this an intense kind of feeling and in an intense um, aspect. Wherever the moon is, it's going to kind of draw our focus because it's the fastest moving one. And at the same time this is happening, this is not within orb, but it is within the same sign. The sun in Virgo is going to hit the opposition to Neptune. And again, that's going to feel like Mercury retrograde. So, but Mercury's already retrograde and it's ruling where the moon is that day. So it's almost like double servings of Mercury retrograde, you know, um, and we're getting this this pressure from the Saturn square Uranus, which I've talked about repeatedly. Um, but the degrees are just right again. Um, we're getting into one degree. So it's all triggering off all of this fixed sign stuff. But now all the mutable signs are involved because of the Virgo, Gemini, Pisces situation. So, um, you know, this is... This is going to start feeling pressure and intense and everybody's lives are going to be touched in every way. I mean, there's going to be something happening in Aquarius, Pisces, Aries, Gemini, Virgo, and Libra. That's a huge chunk of everyone's chart that we're going to be having big stuff happening. So once we, we get past that full moon, it's just... And it's just going to get more and more intense as the year goes on. Okay, the next day is the last quarter. Got to press the right button. Trying to work all this stuff. The last quarter moon still is, of course, in Gemini there in the square. But also at the same time, we get Venus far enough in here to make a nice trine to the north node which is just, it feels beautiful. It feels like, you know, finding the perfect decor, finding the perfect food, finding the perfect pleasurable thing, a beautiful thing, finding beauty in the self. Um, we also get kind of uh, this background, since the moon is still here in Gemini, we're paying attention to Mars. It makes a nice sextile, uh, perfect degree to Chiron retrograde. So this would be a really good time if you struggle with self-image issues to give yourself some self-love kind of stuff, uh, make yourself beautiful, because this wounded retrograde Chiron down here being ruled by Mars, pulling it all over to Mercury and Libra and Fairness, being trined with, with Venus and beauty, it's going to be this harmony that comes out, this beauty that comes out. Uh, so any kind of, you know, feeling better about your appearance, feeling better about your presence, that sort of stuff would be really nice for a last quarter working right around this time. Any questions up to that point? Take a quick break. Okay.
I'm relying uh, on you, Lee, to the... make sure that I'm I'm being coherent here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, anybody's got any questions, just drop them in the chat. And don't forget to go uh, check out Wildwood Temple if you haven't joined the Discord server. Next week, we're going to be doing the rune poems, and the poems are in the library on the Discord server. So you'll have to grab them there. All right, let's go check that out. Okay, so we'll be back in a few minutes. All right. With some more hot chocolate. And planets. And planets. Hot chocolate and planets. Welcome back to the Blackout Chat, everybody. And today we are, well, now continuing with the astrological forecast for September 2022. Thank you for joining and welcome. Talk about fucking Mercury and Libra, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that sounds like, by the way. <laughs> That's what Mercury and Libra sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> so um i just wanted to share this graphic while we we take a, a moment this is from astroseek you can find it by going to the uh, monthly charts but i always think this is so neat to look at especially when we have retrogrades because you can really visually see but it just plots the placement of the planets every day from the first of september through the end of the month and I always like seeing the relationship between Venus and the Sun and Mercury. They're always tightly held right there with one another. And like you can see the gentle curve that Mars makes before it is stations retrograde. It is currently slowing down. And the other planets, the outer planets, they don't move very much. But you can still see a bit of a curve if you look carefully on those planets. So if you're interested... That's a handy tool to look up. I find it helps visualize what's going on with these retrogrades and conjunctions and um, the longer-term aspects, um, especially some of these very long-term transits like Saturn and Uranus. We have been in a Saturn-Uranus square for two and a half years, and that's kind of hard to wrap our heads around as they, you know move through retrogrades and, and come in and out of orb and that sort of thing. And sometimes they have they have come so far out of orb that we wouldn't technically consider it a square, but we know it's coming back because they're such long-term transits. So just, mm -hmm. you know, handy to look at. All right, back to our daily charts. Uh, we left off here on the 17th on the last quarter. The next day on the 18th, we have that perfection of the, whoops, scroll down there, of the um, opposition with Mercury and Jupiter again at four degrees. So we're picking up that energy again. It is still configured to Mars. Uh, Jupiter is still um, reaching out to Mars by sign, but it's not by degree, which is kind of nice. So it's not as exact, but Mercury is retrograde. So that, that polished um, conversation that uh, we get from a Mercury and Libra that 
feels very refined and you know it's been it's been gone over it's been said perfectly uh, that kind of has some chinks in it with the retrograde um, the timing isn't right or something seems a little off um, we're still close to an antitia here it's not within a degree because the sun has moved forward just a little bit uh, or hasn't moved forward quite enough it'd have to be at 26 so pay attention to those connections this is all about this equinox line right now and tends to be a big involvement around this equinox line until the next equinox which i think is interesting usually we're always talking about the solstices those are the big turning points in astrology you know but the equinox is where we we start the tropical zodiac at the beginning when the sun ingresses into aries that's the spring equinox so i think that interesting that this is all about the equinoxes okay so anyways there's that opposition there mercury uh jupiter and also at the same time we've got this trine reaching out triggering pluto we haven't really been talking about pluto too much we've all been dealing with the joy of pluto and capricorn especially when we had jupiter and saturn back there in conjunction with pluto but pluto's slow and goes in a bunch of retrograde cycles and takes forever to get around but we're going to hit the degree where the sun trines pluto and kind of ding remember that stuff remember all that pluto and capricorn stuff remember all of that stuff from march 2020 here it is again i've got i've, I've got the image of the sloth yeah yeah pluto is very slow very <laughs> slow but but pluto i always think of pluto as the the pestle in the mortar of the universe pluto is the thing that just grinds over stuff and just completely tears it down to its base parts and it goes retrograde and grinds back over things again and again so it always makes me think of that as, as the grinder that tears things mm. down um but this trine is going to pick up that pluto energy kind of highlight it again and tie it into the mercury jupiter opposition and the antitia connections across the equinox and that equinoctical uh, cycle that we've been talking about so that's part of what makes this fall winter slash summer spring wherever you are in the world i know that's all of them but <laughs> this equinox to the next equinox cycle is still echoing and dealing with all this stuff we had in the beginning of 2020. so this is the this is the last work it out phase this is the third phase of of the one two three that happens uh, in planetary alignments all right and then the next day venus is going to trine uh uranus again oh we got to turn that off there we go it gets to 18 degrees just like the sun was at 18 degrees and made that trine so venus will um be highlighting the beauty of such things the value of such things uh, just like the sun was highlighting how it affects us personally so we'll find beauty in the broken we'll find um, you know value in rebellion um, in upset in discord those sorts of things when we get this trine um, and because it is co-present with the sun it's still going to be um, 
one of the more intense ones wherever the sun is is where the light is in the chart and so that's where we turn our attention so whenever we have stuff that's happening in the sign of the sun it tends to be more noticeable and we also the sun got to 26 so we hit that antitia right there with mercury retrograde pulling that into things so yes we may find some beauty um it, it's still square to saturn it's not going to be like lovely but you know it's a moment to sit back and drink a, a glass of wine and be like yeah yeah world's all fucked up just like it's supposed to be yeah <laughs> i think that's beautiful one of those kind of days all right so, so another question uh-huh um, any monthly advice for someone with a lot of scorpio placements uh, rising pisces sun in libra Let's see, Scorpio would be 1, 12, 11, 10, 9. Um, so uh, this is a 9 and a 3rd and a Sun in Libra. Probably this month isn't, isn't going to be triggering a bunch of Scorpio stuff. Next month, we have the partial solar eclipse that happens in Scorpio. Um, when the sun moves into Scorpio at the end of the month on probably the 23rd, 22nd of October. I should look. 24th. Okay. Um, so, 23rd for mine. Because um, this is a London ephemeris. But um, not a lot of stuff happening in Scorpio this month. Lots of stuff happening in Scorpio end of October, beginning of November. Because that's where the sun's going to be. That's where that eclipse is going to be. It's going to bring up that whole um scorpio taurus eclipse story again <clears throat> but i'd be much more concerned about your rising sign being pisces and all of this neptune stuff and uh virgo stuff triggering off your first and seventh houses so all this virgo stuff that's happening here um with the the trines and the squares to Mars and Uranus are um, going to be affecting you uh, because that is in your seventh house. And so it's going to be hitting one of your angles um, quite heavily several times. Um, especially I would pay attention to what is the degree of your rising uh, in here in, in Pisces. And pay attention to when these uh, Mercury, Sun, Venus are rolling over those descendant degrees. And when Uranus and Mars are aspecting your descendant degree. Because if they're aspecting your descendant, they're aspecting your ascendant also. And quite possibly your Midheaven and Imchelai. So, you know, um, that's where I'd be paying attention. Because Scorpio is, is blessedly quiet, for at least for now. <laughs> but won't be next month so okay let's go forward to the equinox do, do, do. Eh, 29th we'll take the 23rd there we go um the equinox is when the sun crosses into libra so zero degrees libra it is going to be almost a perfect conjunction um with the uh, Mercury retrograde, it's like hours. It's less than the 
I think it was 18 hours between the uh, full moon and Mercury stationing retrograde. It is like uh, 8034 plus 12 uh, plus 2, we'll call it. So that's 18 hours between the equinox point and the conjunction of the sun with Mercury retrograde. So we're touching off the entire fall or spring season from the equinox with Mercury retrograde. Um, that's part of the reason it makes this whole thing. Even though Mercury will go direct in a short time, the start of things, the natal chart, each of these beginnings um, flavors it for the duration of that. That's why we look at the Aries ingress chart for a year to see what the flavor of the year is going to be. Well, this is our halfway point of the year. And the rest of this year... <laughs> is going to have a Mercury retrograde feel. It's going to be in fact until March 2023 because it's happening conjunct that. And it's still pulling in this um, opposite Neptune energy. You'll notice at the same time, right up here, we have Venus opposite um, Neptune, perfect by degree at 23. So that's pulling that in too. Um, and that movement from Vena, or Virgo into Libra is still going highlighting all of this going on over here. Um, and we've still got a trine to Pluto going on. We've still got a square to Mars going on, pulling all of this stuff in. And remember, uh, Mercury is still in charge of what Mars is doing, right? Mercury is in charge now of what the Sun is doing in Libra, and Mercury is retrograde, and it will be um, combust, and then Kazemi, and then combust again. So combust means um, burning up. It is in the rays of the sun. We will not be able to see it because it is so close to the sun that there's so much light that we can't, we can't make it out, right? Just like when the sun comes up, we do not see the stars. It's not because the stars have gone away. It's because the sun's light is so bright that we can't see them anymore. This is going to happen to Mercury right here at this conjunction, at this, this equinoctical point. Now, Kazemi means in the heart of. And there is, of course, a point when it is a perfect lineup and Mercury will be in the heart of the sun. That's a very short little transit, but it happens to Mercury and Venus all the time as they swing back and forth on either side of the sun. And that Kazemi point is like, ah, you know, the angels sing and the light shines down from heaven and the band comes in and everything goes wonderfully except mercury's fucking retrograde <laughs> so <laughs> and it's in charge of mars so when that happens so the, the band plays a very bad song the, yes everything comes in and everything's like ah you know <laughs> it's just <laughs> not right <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's opposite Neptune, so it's not right, and it makes you go, is this enchanting? Maybe. <laughs> but maybe it's not, you know, the bog you want to go to today. <laughs> so, um, I'm not sure that I would say that this equinox is necessarily a good time to be working magic. Because all of this... Mm -hmm 
is in a kind of harmony, but it's not a harmony I necessarily want to be in, you know? And most of us are not happy with Mercury retrogrades. There are definitely Mercury retrograde natives that are going to be happy as a pig in shit. Um, I have a friend who is a Mercury retrograde native, and I can always tell, you know, she's like, oh, I'm feeling it. I think I'm going to get my shit together again. And then she has two and a half weeks of amazing <laughs> while Mercury is in retrograde. And she's just so happy. And the rest of us are just like, make it stop. So <laughs> she will have a good six months with this, this alignment. But if you are not a Mercury retrograde native and you are not a Mars retrograde native, you are not a Jupiter retrograde native, there's a lot of stuff to look out here um, look out for here. Um, and again, because it's happening at the start of these important moments, they become, they, we take these short-term transits and we apply the, the harmonics to the tune of the rest of the cycle, which makes it difficult, very difficult. So if you've got anything at a zero degree, this is going to hit it. If you've got anything um in these mutable signs now because libra is mutable I, I was talking about the fixed signs earlier um no i'm sorry don't listen to me libra is cardinal that's why it starts the season <laughs> the cardinal signs are where the equinoxes and the solstices are it's been a bad brain week it's been a really bad brain week um <laughs> mercury singing my jobby with the mm. the Neptune and the Mars going this way and yeah 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 that's well, my that's my astrology I'm, I think I'm, I think that was very good Mercury thing on Majabi is about as well as I can do some days also yep. <laughs> so these cardinal signs are now getting activated so everything everything <laughs> is getting activated and not just with the moon. We had this very tight configuration starting in March of 2020, and it's all spread out, infected everything, <laughs> every bit of everyone's chart. But it's going to finally, you know, close up. So don't feel like you're losing it. <laughs> Once we get past the full moon, and then we, we slide into the equinox, you are not losing it until March 2023. Then you can check in and see if it's okay, but... It will be a bit crazy making for a little while. Uh, Neptune can be like that too. We talk about enchanting and enchantment, but it can also be, it can feel like the world is gaslighting you because nothing is as it seems when Neptune is involved. And so it can really have that. Did I just understand that? Did I see that? What is going on? I thought it was this way, but everybody's telling me it's this way. So, you know, find your solid, tap into it, put down some serious roots now, do not wait, and be able to go back to it. Um, you know, you need that safe space, you need that rooted space, you need that grounded place, because the, um, the universal soup that is flowing down the river right now is not. It, it doesn't have hardly any opportunities for us to stay grounded and connected. All right. Uh, Equinox. Um, okay. Sure. Yolandi said, um, I have Capricorn. 
Saturn, Sun, Virgo rising, and Sagittarius moon. Mm. Been feeling off since last week already. Yeah, it's all this, this Virgo stuff, all this Virgo stuff. Luckily, your Sagittarius moon roughly being left alone, except for the opposition from Mars in Gemini. But, you know, yeah, that Virgo rising, this is a, this is a time when that is all being triggered. And of course, if you've got a Virgo rising, then you've got a Pisces descendant and you probably have either a Sagittarius or a Scorpio or a Taurus or a Gemini, uh, Midheaven and Emma Chelae. Uh, that's just, you know, the way the chart works. So you're getting your angles hit and those those are are the the grounding points the the connection points the the spot we hook in is how we anchor our tent uh, you know and the turning points in the chart and when you're getting all your angles aspected and hit and rolled over and it's just it's fucking rough it really is um so meditate mantras as long as is mars is in gemini here i can't recommend a better uh, magical way to deal with this than a mantra um, at which means repeating a sentence or a set of words or a word over and over again uh, this is not the time however to be using mantras you don't understand don't just pick up mantras in a foreign language that you don't understand if you understand what the mm -hmm. translation is cool but you need to be focused on the meaning as much as the words at this time in order to get benefit out of them okay um on the 23rd mercury is going to go back into virgo it's going to make that conjunction with the sun that we talked about and then it will leave and go back into virgo um then we will have venus opposing neptune on the next day It'll hit the 24 degree mark and pick up the opposition to Neptune that everything has been doing. Yay, yay, yay. Um, so let's scroll this down, get it in the window for everyone. There we go. So again, here we go with, you know, this enchanting feeling. Now the Venus involved is going to be the, the romantic dream time wonderful enchanting and we have about a week where this is applying and then passing right here around the equinox so i think people are going to be massively enchanted with the fall and the spring because of this energy that is happening right here and the but it's going to be that confusing enchantment because of it's all happening in conjunction with Mercury retrograde. And the new moon is just a day away. The new moon is on the 25th over here in Libra. And we're all like, oh, it's a Libra new moon. So we just think about Libra things. But it's happening so close to this Virgo axis. So close to this equinoctical axis. And here in opposition with Neptune still. And picking up the jupiter retrograde in aries so this new moon man i'm not real sure what to do with it on the one hand i'd be like ah jupiter and aries opposite mercury and virgo okay i'm gonna use this time for building compromise you know and and working things that work out for everyone but they're both retrograde and 
they're both happening within the degrees of uh, the the Venus Neptune opposition, right? And they're happening at this in conjunct to this uh, Saturn Uranus square. So I'm having a hard time sorting out what to do with this that would actually be helpful. You know what I mean? There's just so yeah. many things that cross purposes. Um, Mars is already in its retrograde storm, which I would like to calm down. But, you know, it's being ruled by a retrograde Mercury that is well, I mean, only five degrees away from the sun. It's, it's a new moon. Time to start new things. But seeing that you can't start new things because of all the confusion and everything else. Yeah, but probably a good good time to look at the future. I don't know for that. For when I, things are getting better. I wouldn't want to do divination under this because you're not going to get good answers. Mm. And I wouldn't want to start well, something. Plan. Well, you can I, make plans for March. Yeah, but you're going to be making plans based on what's here and with so many planets in retrograde where they are going is not where they're going to be so i try not to plan during retrogrades because you're planning for retrograde energy which is not where they're going to be in six months you know everything's heading the wrong okay. way they're going to make u-turns they're going to change and you can't you can't tap into this energy here to get there you know what Just I mean? Plan hibernation then. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I don't know what to do with this. Wait it out, mm. I think, is the thing. But I, when I look at this chart, I don't want to start anything. Mm. You know? Because it's not, it's not going to turn out the way I think it is. It's not going to go well. And I'm probably not going to figure that out until it's too late. Because Mercury's retrograde opposite a retrograde Neptune and a retrograde Jupiter. So is there, is there energy to keep things flowing, keep things going as they, if, I mean, if you, if you've planned things previously and you've got them in motion, is there enough energy to keep things going forward rather no. than trying to start new things? I wouldn't think so. No. Cause of, hibernation yeah, of the planets that can go retrograde two are not two mm. and it Mars is going through the pre-retrograde storm so it's really one planet that's okay and it's venus <laughs> mm. and that's it so lovely yeah this is this is rough i i know blades asked for um a prosperity election this month and i'm sorry i really can't find it i have looked mm. tried to look for something that's good and I mean, you can take isolated things like, you know, when the moon is in cancer and that sort of thing, but you can't ignore the rest of the chart. Um, it, of course, it depends on uh, what your natal planets are like. If you have all these planets retrograde natally, you're great. <laughs> you're doing just fine, you know, um, but that's not, that's not. Uh, across the board kind of thing. Okay. We've got 
Uh, five more days here after the new moon I'm going to do, and then we will do all the questions in the chat. Okay? Um, okay. So uh, after the new moon, we've got... Uh, Venus is going to move far enough along here on the next day to grab a trine to Pluto and again pick up just like the Sun picked up that trine to Pluto um, except value so this may be return on investments and that sort of thing especially things that were of a Plutonian nature um, destructive kind of stuff or underworld kind of stuff actually this may be the best prosperity signature there is is to find money and value data um, from the underworld because Pluto can be the the richness of the earth too um, but the problem is this is going to have to be something that calls back to when um, this was triggered in early 2020 spring of 2020 um, March April in there when this was a direct aspect that happened so if you don't have that investment from the past, this is not necessarily going to be prosperous. It's just going to be a brief, brief trigger of this energy. All on the same day, we have uh, Mercury conjuncting Venus. They're going to meet up there at 26 degrees for that trine, still retrograde. And the Sun will make the perfect opposition to Jupiter at 3 degrees. So all of these aspects going partile at the same time, it's like... Instead of just one gong going off, it's a whole bunch of gongs going off. So the end of the month is going to feel more intense um, than it was. I need a better word. And then, of course, um, just shortly uh, after this, Mercury's going to make the trine to Pluto as, as the conjunction. And then we're going to get to another Mars aspect with the trine to Saturn as it moves into the 19th degree. Um, this a trine is uh, of the nature of Jupiter. It is benefic. It is growth, but it's two malefics involved. And it's two malefics involved in air signs. So I don't tend to find trine malefics happy times. Um, because they get to do their malefic thing. Saturn is retrograde, so not so bad, but Saturn is in its own sign. So Saturn can do all the Saturnian things that it wants to do. And Mars is not retrograde yet, but it's being ruled by a retrograde Mercury over here in Virgo. So I don't think this is necessarily a beneficial signature. I don't think it's like Oh, malefic craziness, but if you do have something at 18 degrees, especially in an earth sign, that's going to be a pointed affect and a pointed uh, feeling. Not earth sign, air sign. Man, I have not made the transition to the air part of living, have I? I just, I can't, <laughs> I can't move it over, man. And then um, on the next to the last day of the month, on the 29th, Venus finally makes it far enough along to make it into Libra and make that ingress into Libra. That lasts until October 23rd. And, of course, it's going to move a few degrees forward. Um, I think it ends up on October 1st that it's going to make the perfect opposition to Jupiter again and pick that up. So here we'll have the two benefics 
involved in an aspect that it'll be benefics in opposition. So oppositions are of the nature of Saturn and uh, Jupiter will be retrograde and ruled over by a malefic Mars. But Venus will be in her own sign in Libra. So hopefully we'll start seeing some Venusian Libra things that are all about fairness and compromise and valuing everyone and, and pulling everything together while we have the Sun and Venus and Libra here for a month. But again, the opposition to Jupiter. Jupiter expands things. And when Jupiter is not doing so well, Jupiter's not in trouble <coughs> in Aries, but being retrograde, the expansion might not be in a way that um, we think is good. It might be a dark expansion or an expansion of um, troubles or um, an expansion of, of other things that we don't necessarily find beneficial to us. All right, so um, don't be depressed. That's September. Um. <laughs> <laughs> just hibernate. Get just, the duvet. Go lie just down. hibernate. And, you know, we'll I'm... See, we'll see you in October. I'm going to be honest. Um, it doesn't get better for a little while. So um, I see a lot of people. I saw it a lot at the beginning of 2020 when these configurations started. Everybody was like, next month will be better next month will be better and i had to keep going no honey it's longer than that it's longer than that um and i think we are we are to the six months at the end of this cycle where if you are just getting through on next month will be better you're not gonna make it you need something much more solid in hope you need something much more um tangible to fall back on than It'll just be better next month. It will be better. It's just going to take a little longer than next month. You know, 2023, we're in a whole different configuration of stuff. The story will change quite dramatically. It will not be the same slog of bullshit again and again and again. Uh, Saturn will be in Pisces. Um, and that's a very different feeling. The long, long uh, period of Saturn in its own signs back to back is is rough. It always is when we get there. But we've got some other configurations that are making it seem rougher. So don't give up hope. Buckle down. Knuckle up. Um, we will get through it. But also don't pin your hopes on in just a few weeks, in just a month. It'll be different because we're in it for the long haul here. Made it this far. This is the last leg. So. Yep, yep. Just a few months and then everything gets goes hunky dory. Something to look forward to. It's just different. <laughs> well, different, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not well, gonna better say better than it is now. Can we say that? Can we say better than it is now? <laughs> different. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Better than it is now happens in like twenty thirty nine, twenty four. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> it's this is all. It's different. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> and and I'm I'm ready for different. I don't know about you all, but I'm sick of dealing with the same shit <laughs> I've been dealing mm. with for the last two years. I'm ready for that to be over, and um, it's just going to be a different set of challenges. Uh, mm. 
Solemn sunset, 30 degrees. I don't know what, I can't remember what that was in reference to. That would be the degree of your rising in Pisces. So, yeah, you're going to get hit with all these transits I talked about as they cross from Virgo into Libra. That 30 degrees Virgo um, is going to highlight your descendant. So you're going to have sun cross, Mercury cross twice, thrice. Um, because it's going to turn around and go back over it and Venus cross there. So a Venus conjunct descendant can be wonderful because uh, you find beauty in your partners and it can be a really wonderful time. They get to express those ideals that you value and that sort of thing. But a Mercury retrograde crossing the descendant can be kind of tough and um, can lead to miscommunication, not being able to talk to people or when talking to people, it seems garbled. So give yourself some grace as that Mercury retrograde rolls over that descendant point opposite your ascendant there. Luckily, uh, Neptune is moving away from your ascendant there in Pisces. I don't think it gets to 30 degrees for several years here because uh, it's, it's retrograde to almost the end of 2022. And then it moves forward and goes retrograde again before it gets to the end of Pisces. So it's going to be, yeah, well past 2023 before it actually conjuncts your ascendant. Um, so you got, you got a bit of time for that aspect to deal with. But that perfect conjunction of a transiting Neptune over your ascendant feels like going through fairyland um, or being in a dream world. Um, so... You can, you can prepare for that. You've got plenty of time to prepare for that. Uh, Lady Capera said, I have Cappy at Midheaven, also Pisces' son, and I assume that's Taurus' ascendant. Yeah. I, would, I think it's a bull. I would assume that's a Taurus' ascendant. Uh, from a Capricorn, Midheaven would be logical. So you've got fixed signs in all of your um, kindrons in all of your angles. So this may feel a bit of a relief to have the, the emphasis on the fixed signs move away for a little bit. Of course, the eclipse that's coming in October and November is going to be still in Taurus and Scorpio. We're not done with that eclipse cycle yet. So that's going to bring up that uh, personal stuff for you. It's going to happen in your first and your seventh houses and activate that sort of stuff again. The eclipse that is coming in October is a south node eclipse. Um, so it's going to be good times for releasing all sorts of stuff uh, that'll happen in Scorpio. And Scorpio is the sign of releasing. It is the excretory organs um, when we line up the, the human body to what the signs rule. So, um, you know, some cathartic stuff there around the end of October. It's October 25th that we get the eclipse. So right after the sun goes into Scorpio, it'll be a good time to release stuff. But especially with it happening in your seventh house, just be uh, cautious about if you really do want to release any partners. Um, because you may just find yourself letting them go anyways with that kind of eclipse energy. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, Deborah asked, what is the difference between a full moon and a new moon? I'm going to assume you mean magically related. Um, new moons are usually when you begin something, and the full moon is when it's at its fullest power, and therefore you kind of project it, give it its, give it its a good kick, um, spell work wise. Usually, generally, but as you said, also energy flows where attention goes. You've got to make sure you, you know where your attention's going. Um, yeah. As Kai was saying, it's not always, you know, just working with the moon is one thing, but taking into consideration everything else um, does influence that as well. Yeah, and the reason that we we do these astro forecasts is to try to give you a bigger picture of the cycles and more information about, you know, like the phases of the moon more information about the energy that's happening so you can make wise choices about the magic you want to do. Um, because not all new moons are the same, not all full moons are the same. And a lot of time I hear people talk about, well, I did this spell and I did A, B, C, D, E, you know, I did exactly and it didn't work. But then a month later I did it on the next new moon and it worked great. I don't know why. And a lot of that why is usually this kind of stuff the other things that are going on around those lunations that are going on around those things. So I agree a new moon is for starting things, um, planting seeds, uh, getting things to go. I like full moons for divination because you have the luminaries equally spaced in the chart and a much, as much light thrown on things as you can get. And I find that really helps to see, like in divination, to have the second sight. Um, so I don't tend to do magic at the full moon unless it is some kind of decreasing magic that I will tie to the waning moon. And then I usually do that a couple of nights after. Once I can see the orb of the moon start to shrink, that's when I start doing that kind of magic. Um, but people have different ideas. But the sun and the moon are the, the big luminaries. They're the biggest things. They're the things that we are most aware of in the sky. Everybody can point out where the sun and the moon is in the sky. Not everybody can pick out Jupiter or Saturn or, or Mercury or Venus, right? But everybody can pick out the sun and the moon. So those are the primary things to follow when it comes to the cycles for astrological magic. And then you start adding in the other things. And I consider um, that being an order of importance. Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, you can't see. You can only see them with a telescope. We cannot see them with the naked eye. So I don't always give them as much weight as I give the seven traditional planets. And I always give the luminaries even more weight than the other five. But I still consider them. Especially when they're in prominent places. Especially, excuse me, especially when the sun or the moon or the other planets trigger them. Make these aspects, bring them into the conversation. But if they're not being regularly brought into the conversation, like Pluto isn't that much. We have some trines that are happening there in that early Libra, um, uh, late Virgo space, sorry. Um, and that's good, but otherwise I'm not concerned with Pluto, unless it's being picked up. Okay. Uh, 
Jonathan's here. Hello. Bit late, but you made it. That's okay. I uh, hope you're doing well. This is fun. I've got Jupiter Transit conjunct my native Jupiter this month. Just throwing that out there because it's cool. Jupiter returns are a far sight better than Saturn returns. <laughs> <laughs> Jupiter returns are um, a nice time we can when we can expand areas of our life and and be able to um, grow new things. Uh, in different ways that we want, especially if they are, you know, trying or sextile to our native uh, Jupiter placements, whereas Saturn returns are constriction points, because Saturn is about constriction and restriction, so they're much harder to get through. Mm. Uh, Yolandi asks, will doing cleansings help? You can't cleanse away the astrology. I tried. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there are times I would really like to be like, let me just wash this Mercury retrograde off my steps. Um, but you know, I think, this, I think this might be in reference to the new moon when we didn't know uh, what to do. See, I wouldn't even do cleansings then because I don't want to start cleansing. When you clean something, you have to put something back. Nature abhors a vacuum; it will fill whatever is nearby. You know, it's like trying to clean out a spot in the ocean. And all the seawater that is around it will rush in when you clean out that spot. It's the same kind of thing um, if you don't put something else there. So, um, and to put something else there is to start something new. And I don't want to start anything new with this new moon energy. So, you know, routine cleansings, sure. Keep up your protection, keep up your cleansing, keep up your grounding. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't do a special one. For the new moon and mm. you know you still got to swim in this soup this is the this is the milieu of everything this month yeah just as we said grab your duvet go hibernate um jonathan said if you have a mercury election in your back pocket that would be great because i got three beautiful mulberry wood stays from tree feathers today well, it's going to have to be before Mercury goes retrograde. Which is only in the first... Only has three degrees this month, and two of it's already gone. So between the 6th and the 8th... Um, degrees, that is, not dates. So let's go back to the 3rd of September. See if we can find a Mercury election. Uh, let's see if we can stick it in the first house, maybe? What happens then? Rising. That puts Mars in the ninth. That's not too bad. Saturn in a cadent house. That's in the fifth. That's not too bad. Jupiter on the descendant. That's okay. Um, Is this going to differ for the hemisphere? Sorry. Yeah, so when it comes to election charts, you need to set it for your local time. Um, because, and um, your local place, because it's all about 
uh, which house it is in locally. So Jonathan's down the road from me. Well, I guess I can change it, but it'd be, I put Mercury uh, at five, six degrees something and grab it in a rising just before or above the ascendant before would be best. Make sure that Mars falls and Saturn fall in this cadent house, the ninth and the fifth. So they're not that important. The moon, I don't usually like the moon below the horizon for this sort of stuff, but it the moon is in its joy in the third house. So that's a good placement for the moon. Um, and you don't have anything negative culminating. The sun in the 12th house, I'm not super happy about, but there's no way to do that before Mercury goes retrograde. So hopefully that makes sense. You want to make a chart for your local place where you are that looks like this. Mercury right here, right before the Ascendant. Um, Jupiter right here, right before or after the Descendant. And you've got a bit of time in there, because I've got it on, on one hour increments. But if we do, you know, 10 minutes, I can back it up quite a bit and still have this time. You want to make sure that the moon is still in the third house in Sagittarius, which it should be for all of this rising time. Does that make sense? And you could do it a couple of days, I'm sure. Not just the third, but you've got the third through the uh, seventh, it looks like. Except Mars is at the seventh degree, so you don't want to grab it when... So you've got the third or the sixth or seventh to make a, an early chart like this and this is 8 45 a.m my time so it should be about 8 45 a.m your local time which is kind of neat how that works mm. cool. one time when time zones are nice <laughs> <laughs> when when you need a, a rising electional but yeah, once Mercury goes retrograde, I wouldn't pick up on that. And just keep keep Mars away from the midheaven and make sure that you do not have matching numbers for Mars and Mercury. You don't want them to be in the same degree. But here Mercury and Jupiter in the same degree is nice. But they're going to have that Mercury and Libra opposite... Uh, or Jupiter in Aries energy. That's part of the part of that Mercury election and the only option for Mercury elections this month because it's in that opposition so it's definitely going to tie in that diplomacy slight chaos energy that's going on. And here with it at 6 You'll be picking up that six degrees and that Antitia with Neptune. So, you know, enchanting. But just just be aware of what you're picking up. Just be aware of what's involved, what's connected. But I hope I've explained well. If not, by all means, ask me more questions on the Discord. And I will try to explain as best I can. If if I haven't been clear. Because it has been a, a retrograde time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're all going to learn how to do the moonwalk. 
Uh, so thank you very much. Um, I'll have a look at that election. Makes lots of sense. I use solar fire. I'll figure it out for Johannesburg. You said you are focusing on Saturn. Big plans for the Kazemi on February 16th. Yep. Yep. I, I imagine that by the time I get to that nice Kazemi there, I will be able to... Um, collect a large amount of, of cash basically that's my plan for that cycle um so that that will be my my payout time for the investment because it's long-term investments with saturn uh, but you know right now um i'm in the review and dot i's and cross t's kind of stage because saturn is in retrograde so but you can do money magic, prosperity magic with any of the planets. You just, well, with any of the seven traditional planets, let's do that. I would include Uranus, mm -hmm. Neptune, and, and Pluto in any of this kind of stuff as the thing to hinge it on. Because they don't control any of the signs. They don't have a house to act through. So you just have to match it to the energy of the sign. Mercury money magic is fast super fast it's turnaround in a couple of weeks right because mercury is fast and it's all about quick trades and quick discussions and sometimes trickery and scams and theft because mercury can be tricky you know but saturn on the other end is um very long very slow kind of money it's long-term investments it's investments in structure it's investments in foundational kind of stuff because that's what Saturn is interested in. Jupiter and Venus are the benefics that are usually about money. Venus is about value and beauty. And Jupiter is about expansion and growth. Jupiter is like thanks and Venus is like a pile of gold. You know, and the sun is very much about money. It's got a very steady increase, very steady rhythm kind of connected. The moon can be emotional kind of tides and feelings about money and you can grow money on the, the incoming tide and shrink money on the outgoing tide and that sort of stuff. So you can do any kind of work with any planet. You just need to match the energy and you need to match the condition of the planet. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, like Venus, um, you want to to catch Venus when she's doing the best, when she's in her own house, when she's in exaltation, when she's well aspected with trines from the moon or from Jupiter, if possible. You don't want to do work with Venus when she's retrograde or when she's in detriment or fall. The same for any other planet, you know. So that's why we look at these charts and find out who's doing well and who's not doing well. And then you hook your wagon to who's doing well at the time and you don't i mean it's a bit different because you need to consider the speed of things saturn i started doing saturn money magic when saturn went into capricorn because i knew we were going to spend like four years here with saturn and its own signs so it's time to do saturn stuff saturn is in the best place it can be in its own signs even with the retrogrades 
being in domicile strengthens the planet so much that it's time to do Saturnian things. You know, when the moon goes into Cancer every month, I get two and a half days that I really focus on emotional health because the moon is in Cancer doing moon Cancer things. That's where it's at home. Yeah, every year when the sun goes into Leo, it's time to pay attention to my appearance and how I present myself and my own um, idea of who I am because that's solar Leo kind of things. So again, you can do any kind of magic at any time. You just gotta, you gotta make them match. You gotta make the energies match. I, I think that is my opinion to be the most successful. There are plenty of magicians out there that think astrology is bunk and they don't use it at all. And I'm sure they have success. But that's what we're different. I think I think it's a case of you can be successful without it, but you can ride the wave and be more successful with it. So it's adding the boost. Well, like it's I the, said, it's the booster program. I find people that you know, I did this and this and it worked here, but it didn't work here and so on and so forth. And when I go look at the astrology, it answers that question again and again. Mm -hmm. And there's more than what we're talking about here. There's essential dignity, which are things like being in rulership and detriment and fall in exaltation. But there's also accidental dignity. And that includes like Kazemi and under the beams, but also what house is it in? Is it in its, you know, place of joy? Is it in a good house? Is it, is it in a bad house? Is it declining? Is it oriental to the sun? Is it receiving a sinister or dexter aspect? You know, there's a lot involved and we don't necessarily get into all of it um, because, mm -hmm. you know, we only have a couple hours here and it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to get into and understand, which is why, you know, I do electional charts for people because I consider all of those things when I take the time to do a proper electional chart, um, not just five minutes <laughs> on the live stream to find something close. Um, but, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to consider. And especially if you're going to do like big workings, um, stuff that is for you know, something major in your life or um, that's going to take a very long time, like a five or six year working or something like that, I would consult an electional astrologer, somebody who does electional charts and, you know, ask them to elect a time for that. If the astrologer does electional astrology, they know how to elect for magic, whether they do magic or not, because those techniques all go together. Electional astrology is tied into astrological magic. So um, don't be afraid to ask an electional astrologer for that sort of thing, even if they don't do magic themselves. It's all right there. Mm -hmm. uh, Deborah asked if you still do charts. Yes, they do. Uh, just head over to revkai.com. You mean as, as readings and interpreting charts for people? Yeah, yeah, I do. Orary charts, which is like divination with the tarot. You ask a question and the astrology answers it because we all birth questions at certain times and the beginning of everything has an astrological signature that colors it through its life. I do electional astrology like I was talking about. I elect most often for mundane things is what most people come to me for. Marriages the most. You know, when should we be married? Uh, but starts of businesses, too. I do a lot of charts for that. 
And I do natal charts, although I do not consider myself a natal astrologer um, because I don't do psychological astrology. Um, so I, I'm happy to do natal charts, but just consider that's not the kind I'm, I'm not going to tell you, you know, you're a romantic person and, and you need to find somebody who's a Gemini or whatever. That's not the kind of astrology I do. I'll tell you, you know, you'll have a, a period at this in your life where you may get famous or you have good luck with money. And then I do, um, rectification, which is backwards astrology. Um, when you don't have a, a time for, or a date or a location or something is missing, missing from your birth data. I take your life story and then work the astrology backwards to find out what would be that information. So. Mm -hmm. All right. I think that's it for today. Um, so just a reminder, we are doing runes next week. We're doing the rune poems. Uh, so you can head over to the Discord server. Uh, link is in the link tree in the description. Uh, go to the Wildwood Temple Discord server and look in the library uh, for the rune poems. And we'll be chatting about those next week. Yep, All right, yep. so other than that, Join us on Patreon if you want to. $3 a month, and uh, you get two watts on the tellies every month. Yep, bring your rune questions, and hopefully we will we will get to them. I know the last two times we have done runes as a topic, we've had a lot of stuff we couldn't get to because it's huge. <laughs> There's mm. a lot of stuff to talk about. So keep bringing those questions and those thoughts and those experiences. And as always, if you can't be here for the live and you have questions or thoughts you'd like us to address in the show, you can give them to us in advance on Discord. We're more than happy to um, jot them down and bring them up during the show if you can't make the live. Because I know not every week uh, is it available. Or also if you're listening on the podcast. Um, you can always contact us with questions or thoughts or ideas for topics. We're happy to listen to those too. Uh, we like to work them in if we can. But we're happy to include those in advance. Just get them to us on Discord. Uh, it doesn't have to be in the perfect channel if you can't figure out what that is. We're still rearranging and growing and, and figuring out how to use our Discord as our community grows. Uh, we just got the opportunity to add events to our Discord server from the powers that be at Discord. We got big enough. So uh, mm. we're trying that with being able to add events in our server to keep track of the, the various things we do. And one of those is our book club. We're doing book clubs around the new moons. So new moon to new moon, we read a book. And then close to that new moon on a Sunday, we have a dis live discussion of the book. And, of course, if you can't make the live, you can always discuss the book in the Book Club text channel there on Discord. Uh, but if you have any questions about how the Discord runs or anything, just ask. We're, we're happy to take suggestions. We're happy to hear from you. We're, we're figuring it out as we go. All right, Jonathan said, thank you, guys. Have a great week. Deb said, thanks again. Have a great weekend. And you, too. Yeah. Thank you all for being here. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll see you next week then. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today in the Black Hat Chat. 
Have a look in the description of this podcast or in the About section for all of our links and tune in next week for another exciting chat.